Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Our Rush Nation, we are back. It is Tuesday. There is just a little over 48 hours until the start of the season. It's just me. It's just Murph today. Uh, thought it'd be good to get you an episode out. Uh, ASAP um, had a lot of questions with regards to starts and sits and also potential waiver pickups for week one. So really keen to get that out to you today. And so I thought I would jump on on my own. We do have a couple of shows lined up this week. Uh, We're going to deep dive a little bit more on the Dolphins and the situation there and what that means for fantasy football. And then as well, we're going to deep dive on the Texans who have been the, the biggest movers over the last week or so. And it'd be really good just to have a good understanding of what those teams could be potentially moving forward as they've had so many changes since we've last been online and talked through. But draft season is over, which means that we're now all focusing on week one. It's a very weird shift considering that we've been focusing and talking about the draft uh, and draft season and uh, fantasy drafts for, for so long. So to be finally now able to put all the hard work into play and start focusing on week one and matchups and who to pick up and who to keep an eye on. It's a truly amazing thing. So uh, really excited to be getting back to football and having the next 17, uh, 17 to 20 weeks uh, be dominated with, with matchups, 16 for fantasy football, 17 for fantasy football, and then the playoffs afterwards. So 
very, very exciting time. So we thought we'd get straight into it. Had some questions through for your starts and sits, and hopefully these are questions that uh, you've either had or been thinking about, and we can sit here and uh, talk them out together, and we can see what, what we get to, and hopefully this will clear your minds up as to potential selection headaches for, for week one. I'm going to start with Martin first. So Martin got in touch. He's on Twitter at Lucky Fantasy Guy. He sent a message saying it's not specific, but is it better to start someone playing Thursday night game in flex or their actual position? And so really the point of this is to understand where is the best place to put your starters for Thursday night. Always lock them in the actual position because if you put them in the actual position, the flex spot, you've got more exactly that flexibility as to where you put players. So if you sit there and start Marcus Valdez-Gantling, for example, on Thursday night, and you put him in your flex, then all of a sudden you might have an injury at wide receiver or an injury at running back, whatever. By putting him in your flex, you're limiting who you can bring into your side as a straight replacement and therefore not being able to pick your strongest player uh, possible. So if you're going to play Marcus um, Valdez-Gantling on Thursday night, make sure he's in your wide receiver spot. Same way with Aaron Jones in your running back slot. Uh, etc. If you're playing super flex, make sure Aaron Rodgers is in your QB slot, Mitch Trubisky, etc. So just start them in the proper spots on a Thursday night game. It just gives you more uh, opportunity to fix and to change things when it comes to Sunday, because you might get a last minute injury into your lineup. You might get a healthy scratch, etc. Hope that clears that one up. Uh, Tim Monk from the 14 Yards podcast. He can be found uh, at Tim underscore Monk F10Y. He says, which first round pick according to ADP will score the lowest points? Hashtag bust. Really good question. Um, in terms of, obviously, ADPs have changed quite substantially over the coming uh, months. And, and what were first, team, uh, first players off the board and first round players off the board uh, might not necessarily be that now. So the, the, the easy two to pick up that were first round ADP picks uh, at their points were Melvin Gordon and, and Ezekiel Elliott purely because they haven't signed. So their bust potential is purely going to be down to the fact of if they sign a new contract or not. Zeke seems to be much uh, sooner and therefore he seems to be back after maybe missing a week or two. The Melvin Gordon situation has got slightly more complicated in the sense of the team are going to suspend negotiations until the end of the season, which means he's either he's been given permission to seek a trade. So in order for him to come back, he's going to have to either get a trade or he's going to have to swallow his pride and come back. If he doesn't come back for 10 weeks, then he's clearly going to be the biggest bust of the season, similar to Lev Bell last year. And it's a pretty horrible situation for how that's become. Uh, I would say that if you're still drafting, uh, his ADP is currently sort of in the mid-fourth to late-fourth round. He's someone that might be worth a bit of a gamble if you've got that risk side to you, because he missed four games last year. And he was still the running back six. So if you think he sits out the first month of the season, then can potentially see a route to coming in, uh, for him coming back, then that might be worthwhile for you to explore and to, to think about going ahead and, and taking them on in that, in that situation. So one to, one to potentially rack your brains over in the next sort of day or two. But I would understand if you wanted to pass. If I'm excluding those two, I think the one with the biggest uh, bust potential is probably David Johnson. Um, it's a really tough question because I, I really like the player. Uh, I don't think the offensive line has improved. And I think that's going to have a massive impact. We saw last year that it's not a talent problem with David Johnson. It's purely uh scheme and purely what they can do from a, 
a perspective with that line. And I don't think he's going to be massively involved in the run game in the sense of I don't think he's going to break off as many big runs as we've seen maybe three years ago with him in his rookie and second seasons in the NFL. And I think that's going to limit his potential. So if I'm looking at potential bus candidates, David Johnson is the one I'm a bit concerned about. He might see more of an uptick in the past game. But if I'm looking at the rest of the players, I don't think right now I can forecast Barkley, Kamara or CMC to bust. I can't forecast uh, Hopkins, uh, Green to, to bust, nor can I sort of uh, Mixon, Connor. And then there's Bell. Bell has, I think, the security of the volume. So when you're sort of looking at those names and the players that, that could be going in the first round, the, the one I, out of all those names that, that associates almost the most risk is, is David Johnson in that situation. But really good question. The next one comes from um, Dengen's Invitational FF. That's at D-E-G-E-N underscore I-N-V uh, underscore F-F. And he's like, what value does Tony Pollard and Darwin Thompson have now? So the question with Tony Pollard is if Zeke doesn't come back for a week or two, at week one, two, he, he could have some relevant, vol- uh, some relevant volume. Once Zeke comes back, his volume is greatly diminished. Um, he becomes nothing more than a spontaneous flex play. So if you've been drafting him in the sort of 10th round, which I've seen him going in drafts, it's going to be very difficult to see how you get your return back from there on someone like Tony Pollard. So that is something that's going to be a slight concern, but it's all down to if, if Zeke doesn't sign, if, if things go erratic and awry again and he sits out more time, Tony Pollard becomes valuable. So it's still a bit of a difficult question to answer because we don't know when Zeke is back. I doubt he's back week one, so we have value for week one. If he's back between week one and week two, then Pollard's value after that kind of falls off a cliff unless there's an injury. Now, because Zeke hasn't trained, that could mean he's susceptible to hamstring injuries and potential sort of niggles that come across when you're not in uh, a sort of a fit environment. You go from naught to 60 so in no time at all. So that's something that's worth keeping on your roster for a couple of weeks. But if we get to week five, week six, Zeke, and Tony Pollard's not doing anything, he's, he's a cut candidate from your roster. Darwin Thompson's an interesting one because you've got LaShawn McCoy, who's just been added to that roster. And there's many different takes. A lot of people think that he's going to compete for the starting job. A lot of people think he's washed up. Kind of in the middle there. I, I, he's not a player that I think you can rely on for ultimate fantasy production. But then can you say the same about Damian Williams? The only thing that gives me confidence in Damian Williams is in July, Andy Reid said he was the starter, but he has had injuries and he's never done it for a sustained period of time in the NFL. Zeke, um, sorry, LaShawn McCoy, he's had some injuries um, and he, you know, production, all right, was behind a terrible offensive line last year, but, you know, at times he he did look really poor. Darwin Thompson is going to be one of those players that his opportunities to succeed and win the job have been greatly diminished. But he's someone that could potentially, towards the middle and end of the season, maybe around the bye week, which for them is quite late. I think it's 12. He's someone that could potentially come out into his own and win the job. He's not behind two other rookies or two young players. He's behind two players that are past their prime from a running back perspective age. Uh, Sean McCoy's in his 30s. Damian Williams is in, I think he's 28. So that's something to put into your valuation but Darwin Thompson I think I'd hold him for the next couple of weeks but 
if you're not seeing a lot of production out of him, he's someone I would probably, in a, a season-long league, I think about cutting. Um, and then in a, in a dynasty league, he's obviously someone to hold on to. And I'd say the same about Pollard. Next question comes from Rory Dot, at Rory Dot. What's your take on starting the hyped-up off-season players in week one, specifically Kirk and Curtis Samuel? It's a good question. I don't really know what your lineup is, so it's a bit difficult to predict. Um, I would say if I had Christian Kirk, which I have some shares of, he would probably sit on my bench for this week, and I'll see what uh, we're going to see. What we're going to see basically out of um, Cliff Kingsbury. We don't know what that offense truly looks like, and we don't know how they're going to play. We know that that defense is pretty terrible. And we know that they're probably going to sling the ball quite a bit, but we don't necessarily know what Kirk's role is going to be in that offense. We know he's going to play wide and, and there'll be deep shots, but how comfortable is Kyler going to be with that, et cetera. So I'd probably sit Kirk uh, straight away um, and see how that develops. Curtis Samuel is someone I feel more confident in starting week one. Now, it, again, it depends on who you've got in your roster because if you've got players like Cooper Cup, You've got players like Tyler Boyd, you know, those sorts of players in your in your starting positions, then Curtis Samuel might be a flex play. And the same goes for who you've got a running back. So you have to evaluate the talent on your roster. And without seeing that, it's hard to say if I'd play him or not. But he's someone who I think is at least startable week one because if that system is the same. You know, you've got Cam back uh, and he did well last year under that offensive coordinator um, and under the schemes that and, and plays that they were putting forward, you know, he had his best uh, completion percentage he'd had in his career to date before he went down. And I think he's someone that will put the ball in the air. And I think he, you'll see Samuel get some work. Will I say he be his absolute peak? Probably not. But, you know, it's hard to predict that in week one. But I'd say Samuel is at least consideration for a start. Whereas Kirk, I would definitely be benching. Jamie Garwood gets in touch at Jamie Garwood. He says, how's the McCoy signing effect Damian Williams in, in KC, keep up the good work. So thanks for that. In terms of uh, McCoy affecting Damian Williams, I think in the short term, not a lot. I think it really depends how Damian Williams gets on with the lead role. I think McCoy will take some touches, but it's how effective those touches will be. Will he get goal line carries um, or will he just come in as a third down back? That remains to be seen. I'd speculate that McCoy is going to be more of a third down back. But what I will say is, Kansas's start is pretty, pretty tough. And that could lead to uh, being put under some immense pressure in terms of who keeps that job. And that's, that's what you've got to look at is, is the first four games. You know, they're playing the Jaguars first. That's not an easy game from a defensive perspective. Then they play the Raiders. Then they've got the Ravens. And then they've got the Lions who look stacked against the run. So Damian Williams in three of those first four games is, is quite tight for him. And if he doesn't break off production, do they then panic and decide to go, okay, let's, let's change and let's give uh, Shady McCoy some more work? Or do they persevere uh, with Williams? That's the question you don't know. Uh, the situation will always be evolving. But I'd expect for those four games that Damian Williams will get the shake and he'll get the majority of the production, the goal line work and the touches. So I wouldn't be too panicked at this stage, but just keep an eye on the situation, especially if it's uh, not working straight away. Uh, Kev1973 uh, at Kevsky07 asks, Devin Singletary to have a day versus the Jets. Tough question. I think he he's not going to be the designated starter week one. And I think that's, you know, it's going to go to Frank Gore. And I think he will get some touches. He'll have an opportunity to shine. But will he have a day? I know Greg Williams is one of those tricky 
uh, defensive coordinators who definitely knows how to stop impact players. That Cleveland Browns uh, defense last year was very good against the run. And I think that's something that uh, they'll definitely look to be doing is try and contain Josh Allen, uh, not let him scramble and try and stack the box and, and stop the run. Because I think Greg Williams will look at Josh Allen and say, if you're going to beat us, beat us in the air because we're not confident in your arm. And he's the type of uh, defensive coordinator that is very good at scheming up and making uh, quarterbacks beat him with outstanding play. And as a result, I don't think Devin Singletree is going to be a strong start. I think he's someone, if you've got him on your roster, he might be worth flex play. Um, depends how deep your roster is and who you've got to put in there. But I don't think you'll be seeing huge numbers from him week one. Next question comes from uh, JC0405. And he's gone with Frank Gore or Peyton Barber. This one's pretty easy for me. I'd go with Frank Gore, despite what I've just said about the uh, defensive scheming of Greg Williams. I do think Frank Gore will bring the safety um, of a floor. You know what you're going to get with, with Frank Gore. He's going to get 200 touches for yeah, 800, 900, maybe even pushing 1,000 yards at the end of the season. He's not going to break off anything spectacular. He might get some of the goal line work too. Um, I think he's someone that you bring in. You know, Coaches do not really drop Frank Gore for a season. He comes in. He does his job. He's a great professional. He's potentially a future Hall of Famer as well. Um, and people really like Frank Gore on their teams. He's not splashy. He's not flashy. You won't see lots of him on red zone this season, but I do think he's someone that has value. I think with Peyton Barber, I think you don't really know what you're going to get um, when it comes to Buccaneers backs, especially at the start of the season. I think they're going to keep feeling their way through for the first few weeks. Barber is uh, remarkably unspectacular, even more so than Gore. He's someone that, you know, he averages sort of 3.8 yards a carry doesn't really impress or put up a lot of uh, big numbers. Not doesn't get a lot of rushing touchdowns. That offensive line isn't particularly brilliant uh, developing run plays. So when it comes to picking out of those particular two, Frank Gore would win that for me every time. Next one comes from uh, Jim Hay at Jim Bogan James, J-I-M-B-O-G-I-N James. He says, full PPR, start Mac Coleman or Josh Gordon in flex. And again, this is quite a wide uh, question to look at. So I would immediately disclude uh, Josh Gordon from this, even in a full PPR. You just don't know. He's not really played a lot of football in the last five years. And okay, he's the bona fide two now that Nikhil Harry's gone on to IR. But with when it comes to Bill Belichick, you know, he doesn't like fantasy teams. He doesn't give guaranteed volume to guaranteed players. And he could line up, it depends what happens with Edelman, could line up as the primary receiver. And that might sway my decision a little bit. But I'm just a bit concerned that due to the lack of playing time that he's had over the last few years, and he is playing, you know, the Steelers, and the Steelers know how to uh, scheme up against wide receivers pretty well. I'm just a bit concerned that he will you know, have a big game. I just, I can't see a huge volume against him. He's just looking at his floor. So then it leaves you with Mac and Coleman. Um, Coleman has got the issue of Matt Breeder breathing down his neck. And again, first game with a new team. I like Kyle Shanahan uh, run games. And I, I want any piece of his, of his system uh, where possible. So taking quite a lot of Coleman, taking a lot of Breeder in the, in the off season and in drafts. So he's someone that would interest me. And he's against the Bucks, which is a good matchup because they're not known for their defensive uh, exploits, the Buccaneers. 
So he's someone that could produce relatively good value. It's just a question of how much production is he going to get over the like of Matt Breeder? Is it a pure timeshare? Is it um, the fact that Coleman is going to get the majority of the touches and then Breeder might come in with a few? Who's going to get the goal line carries? Mac, it's slightly different. Mac, you know, is going to get the production, the volume, and people seem to think that he's almost fantasy irrelevant because Andrew Luck has retired, and I don't quite understand that logic because, if anything, they're going to rely on the run more. And I guess the logic is they're going to be behind in a lot of games and therefore they're not going to run the ball as much. But Jacoby Brissett is not a terrible quarterback. You know, he's, he didn't have a chance two years ago. He'd been with the team a few days and then gets thrown into the fire. And the O-line then was, was terrible. That's why Andrew Luck has, has finished his career. Here's the fact that he got so many injuries as a result of, defense, of terrible offensive line play. And that's something that people seem to forget. They, they, they kind of know that, but don't put the two together. So I would probably start Marlon Mack. I'd feel more comfortable with his volume. I'd feel more comfortable that he's not got, a, you know, got Naheem Hines there who might take some receiving work there. But I think Mack is going to have the more... Uh, more prominent in terms of touches and volume he's got a good offensive line I can see him as a path to getting 100 yards on his uh on his first game I think that's more realistic to me I think he's got a little bit more upside but a a much safer floor so I'd probably lean to Marlon Mack on on that one next question comes from uh Sean number one which is at Slimbrick24 he asks uh Curtis Samuel or Josh Gordon to start in my flex now this is a really tough one I think this one for me would be a game time decision and it would depend on Julian Edelman. If Julian Edelman starts, I would start Curtis Samuel. I'm just not uh, overly convinced that with what they've got there, Josh Gordon gets a huge amount of uh, volume week one. I think it's something they'll build up to. Don't forget he missed a lot of the offseason because he wasn't allowed to play. He was still on the uh, exemption list and that's, you know, it does take a bit of time to build that river with a quarterback. He's not had to, so many games with with Tom Brady and, you know, he's not played a lot of football in the last five years. And that's something that take into consideration. But if, if Edelman isn't there and Harry's on IR, there really isn't anyone else. Um, you know, they've got Matt Lacoste who is not really going to take a load of targets uh, away and therefore they have to throw it to someone. And in that case, I would have Josh Gordon as a starter. Curtis Samuel, I think is someone who's under the radar. I've talked about him a little bit and I think he's someone that could, uh, could produce. So, Wait until game time. I think if 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 Edelman is starting, I'd maybe lean towards Samuel. But if uh, if he's not, then I'd go Gordon. Uh, next question comes from uh, Jake at Kanye's brother. He asks that uh, uh, A Rod versus the Bears or Jimmy G versus Tampa Bay Week One. Thanks. So Aaron Rodgers or Jimmy G? I guess you know. You're looking at A-Rod, he's playing a better defense and Jimmy G's playing a poor offense, but Jimmy G's coming off an injury. I'd say don't get too cute. Play the player that's got the better, uh, better skill set, the better quality. Yes, okay, he's playing a better offense, but these guys are tiers apart. If they're in the same tier, I think the matchup matters. I think if you're looking at Jimmy G or uh, Sam Darnold, then I'd look at the matchups and think, okay, that's, that's relative because they're not too far apart in, in rankings and, and and talent and, and where they're going to finish up for the season. But Aaron Rodgers, I have projected to be my number one quarterback at the end of the season. Uh, he's definitely in almost everybody's top three. And so regardless of the fact it's a harder matchup, he absolutely dominated in that comeback second half against the Bears last year. You know he's not going to turn the ball over. 
He just doesn't throw that many interceptions. Don't get cute with it. Just play Aaron Rodgers. Yes, it's a tougher matchup, but he will still deliver uh, enough fantasy points to make him worthwhile. The fantasy man asks a couple here. And uh, the first one is Vance McDonald or, or David Njuku. So uh, it's a hard one. You kind of know what you're going to get with David Njuku, but then he has seen his target volume crash a little bit with the fact that OBJ's come in. And then you've got Vance McDonald, uh, who's due for uh, increase in, in production, but he's yet to really do it at a great volume. I think he was the uh, tight end 10 last year, but that's not saying much. And he had two big games that really kind of got him there. So having said that, I think uh, the fact that there isn't an, a strong established uh, second and third wide receiver there in Pittsburgh just yet, I, I'd go with Vance McDonald here. I just think he's someone that will deliver a reasonable volume here. I think David Njuku might be a slightly safer play uh, in terms of his floor, but I don't think he's someone with the upside that's going to get you a game-winning score. Whereas I think Vance McDonald uh, is more likely to get a touchdown or two in the end zone uh, from Ben Roethlisberger. The next one he asks is, uh, Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson? Um, this is a really, really good question. And I guess a lot of it's going to depend on what your, you know, how the scoring goes in your league and in terms of you know, how, how you're rewarded. And also the 6.4-point the touchdown is, is also something. I mean, in terms of the Seahawks, they got a pretty good matchup against uh, the Bengals. We, you know, they're, they're not exactly a, a well-beating team. They, they'll come last in their division this year. Sorry, Bengals fans. And I think that's something to uh, keep an eye that he could do reasonably well. But having said that, he hasn't got a lot of people to throw to. You know, they've just cut Brown. You've got DK Metcalf, who might might not be fit. So they're going to struggle to actually put wide receivers on the field. You know, week one, and he doesn't really notoriously throw to tight ends. Um, so that's, again, another consideration of Russell Wilson. So where, where are those points going to come from? You're expecting it to be more from the ground. And therefore, I don't think that's going to help Russell Wilson too far. Uh, whereas Lamar Jackson, you know, he's got a, a, a matchup that probably is slightly more tough on paper uh, in the sense that, they're playing the Dolphins, which it, it sounds ludicrous when you say that because they're a team that are sort of tanking and, and in trouble. But they're going to put everything into it. They're a new coach. Um, defensively, they're not as bad as offensively. And we'll talk more about what Miami going to look like in the next day or so. Um, but I think Lamar is going to get more purchased. He's going to run more. And I think he'll give you that threshold. He's got a new set of weapons. He had a pretty decent preseason. So I'd probably take Lamar Jackson in, in that situation. So this... Last question he asks is Robert Woods or Tyler Boyd. Now, uh, these two are really close in terms of rankings uh, for me, my rankings. I have just a couple of spots apart. Um, Robert Woods will have slightly more competition for targets with Cooper Cup and um, Brandon Cooks, but the volume is there to sustain all three, as we know. So that's going to be pretty uh, safe to have Robert Woods in there and think he will produce uh, reasonably well uh, in his matchup. And then you've got Tyler Boyd. And Tyler Boyd is, is an interesting one because of the fact that AJ Green's not there. He actually performs uh, slightly worse uh, without uh, AJ Green in the lineup. So he averages about 12, 12 and a half points per game in PPR without AJ Green and closer to 15 points with AJ Green. And that's because sometimes he's, he gets double covered and uh, they can sort of scheme for less production. I think that front seven of the Seahawks is going to put Andy Dalton under pressure. I think he's going to have a quite a tough afternoon uh, facing that new front seven. And I think that uh, Tyler Boyd 
over the season could outperform Robert Woods, but I think on Sunday, uh, go with the safety of uh, the floor. You know, the Panthers haven't got as good a, an offense as uh, a good a defense as, as the Seahawks. So since they're pretty close to me, I take the safety of Woods uh, over the potential upside of Boyd. But Boyd, if you fancy a risk, if you think you're going to win your matchup, uh, want to go a bit more, or more importantly, if you're chasing your matchup. So I think if you're winning your matchup, uh, when you look at the projected points, I'd probably start Woods. If you're quite a bit behind, I'd probably start Boyd, uh, just because I think Boyd has that potential to to win the contest uh, and do a bit more. But I do also think he's got the opportunity to, to lay down just only a, a handful of points. So uh, that situation there is really important. If you if you're trading a game and need upside players, then Tyler Boyd would be the one I start. But if you're comfortably winning and looking uh, pretty set for a win, then, then take the safety of the floor and solidify your your position. Uh, even more. Uh, last question is from uh, Joshua Edwards at Josh WA underscore 1990. And he asks uh, Brady or Big Ben. So, I mean, if that's the situation you're in, that's a tough one for, for week one. Uh, I think for me, I'd always go with, uh, with Big Ben over Brady. I just see that situation that I, th- I think that the Patriots are going to win the game. And I think if that's the case, then Ben's going to be from behind from a lot of it and he'll make plays and he'll make throws. You're comparing the wide uh, the quarterback three overall scoring last year uh, to the quarterback 14 in Tom Brady. So when you're sitting there and thinking about uh, what's the likely outcome, I think the Patriots win the game, which means that the, the Steelers will be behind and therefore trying to chase the game. And if they're trying to chase the game, then they will throw and sling it more. Uh, he does make a comment in his question about uh, Big Ben's on the road theory, fact or fiction. I think it's a bit of both. I think he's obviously not as good on the road uh, in the elements as he is at home. But having said that, when you're getting to uh, September, it's not as bad. You know, the weather doesn't play as big a factor in September. If this game has been played in December, I would definitely be swinging the advantage back to Tom Brady. But, you know, the weather's not going to be too terrible for him to be playing in. And that will take uh, some of the... Uh, some of the hazards out of the play for him. So week one, I'd be starting Big Ben. I just feel more comfortable that he will deliver a, a more solid return for me. And sorry, I did get one more question. It's actually from Paul Brown from the Paul Brown podcast. And he uh, he asked me where I would be taking a tight end in a, in a 10-man league. And I know it's not really a start sit question. Um, he asked if there was a formula. I guess it's down to what you're more comfortable in in terms of uh, where you want a tight end. If you want Kelsey, you're having to take him in the second round. If you want a George Kittle, then you'll need to take him in the late second, third round. <laughs> After that, I think then it's down to where um, where's good value to get them. Because I think outside of those two, I don't feel like you should reach to get a tight end. I, I wouldn't be taking Ertz in the third round. I wouldn't be taking him any earlier in the fourth. I personally would pass on him in the fourth, but I can get the logic as to why people would do that. But if you're taking him earlier than that, you're drafting him on last year's numbers, and I just don't think that they are uh, replicable for him. I think his range of outcomes is he will see regression in almost every category in terms of receptions, in terms of yards, and in terms of touchdowns. And I think he's, you know, my, he's, I'm playing with him as my tight end four, potentially tight end five overall this year. So I don't see a path to Ertz where he replicates what he did last year. So I couldn't take him any earlier than fourth. So I would take O.J. Howard in the fifth, or I would take Hunter Henry or Evan Ingram in the sixth. Uh, and that, they're the only tight ends I'd consider sort of reaching for in terms of in, inside the first eight rounds. 
after that, uh, if you can get one of McDonald, Hooper, Cooper, uh, Cook, or Njuku, or Ebron in rounds nine to eleven, then I would I would do that. If you feel good with any of those players, I personally like Austin Hooper. I think he offers you a very safe floor. You know what you're going to get. It's unsexy. It's it's not uh, outstanding, but you know he'll deliver you uh, a tight end six, tight end seven uh, finish this year, and it's kind of all you need to just uh, set and forget. I think if you do what I've been doing in a lot of drafts and decide just to sleep on the entire position, keep stacking on wide receivers and running backs because they're going to give you the most upside potential and, and also uh, depth in terms of stack, then I would be taking someone like a Waller, uh, Swain, Doyle, Fant, or Hawkinson the last couple of rounds of your draft. Um, they're falling really late or almost, uh, almost free. So I'd be taking one of those guys and maybe even streaming week to week or, or hoping, you know, for me, uh, Waller, I think, is a top 10 tight end. Fan, I think, potentially could be a top 10 tight end. Swaim, as well, I think, is someone that will get into the tight end one conversation if he's fit. Jack Doyle, I'm slightly more concerned on than when I have been taking him because I thought Andrew Luck would target him more. But since he's not in the picture, I do think he's slightly more irrelevant. But I'd be taking the, the punt and, and the same on, on Hawkinson as well. So uh, it's down to if you want one of those tight ends, you're going to need to pay those prices and pass on you know, in each one of those rounds, Kelsey, you're having to pass on, uh, you know, a Todd Gurley, you're having to pass on a Nick Chubb, you're having to pass on a Dalvin Cook. And, you know, that's a, that's a big price to pay for someone like Kelsey. Uh, you can talk about the positional advantage. And if that's what you want to do and structure your roster that way, then that's great. But know what you're giving up. Kittle in the third, you're giving up Kerry and Johnson, uh, Aaron Jones, Devonta Freeman. So they're players that you're passing up on uh, to not get. Uh, in order to get Kittle. Uh, in the fourth, um, you're passing on a Josh Jacobs, a David Montgomery, a uh, Sonia Michelle. Uh, fifth round in Howard, you're giving up a DJ Moore, uh, uh, Chris Godwin at the beginning of the fifth, maybe late fourth, maybe gone by then. Um, Mike Williams, the players that you're giving up. Uh, Henry, uh, you know, Hunter Henry and Engram in the sixth, that's the point where I start to feel a little bit more comfortable if they're still there on the board. Uh, to take a tight end because I think then that's where you start to get a big difference to everybody else. But before then, I'm quite happy to be just stacking up, um, RBs and wide receivers, really. So, okay, we appreciate this is going on probably a little longer than I, I thought it would actually. Um, had a lot of questions and wanted to answer them all. So uh, quick quick waivers to finish off for week one. So I looked at players uh, who were sort of less than 30% owned. And I thought that, that gives you an opportunity to pick up these players. I think my threshold for the season will, will be as people get more engaged, the drafts are finished and, and people are playing the season, I think the threshold will be somewhere around 40, 45% owned. I think if they're more than that, I probably won't use them in my waiver uh, analysis and, and articles and bits and pieces. So uh, all these players are under 30 because I feel it's a good time to, to go with that threshold. So start with the quarterbacks. I think there's two... I'd be looking to to pick up for week one. Uh, one is Josh Allen. Uh, so talked about the Jets and talked about the scheme and there'll be pressure on him. Um, but I do think when it comes to Josh Allen, I think he scrambles probably as well as anybody in the league and someone that will just go on those sort of design or undesigned runs and just sort of run away from the chaos. And, you know, he got a lot of rushing touchdowns last year, seven or eight, just purely from... Uh, escaping pressure and I think you know the line has got better this year to potentially stop that but I think Greg Williams is just going to attack 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 and I think he's going to have to scramble for his life at times which will mean that he can just 
put those rushing yards up and give you a nice safe floor. So he's someone. And if it's again, if you're playing in a four point per touchdown league, um, I can see him rushing in a touchdown or two and therefore uh, getting those six points, which will give him a positional advantage. Uh, the other one is Matt Stafford. So Matt Stafford is a quarterback I'm not necessarily the greatest fan of. I think he's someone who perhaps is past his best, but I do think he has talent and he is playing Arizona and Arizona have probably got the worst uh, defense in, in the national football league. Take away the fact that they didn't really do a lot to improve it this year uh, in the draft and, uh, you know, didn't really look to set and, and get additional players. You then get the fact that they've lost uh, Patrick Peterson for six games. You've lost the leader of that, of that defense. So for me, they're just someone that's a good, it's going to be open season on that defense. And I think that with what Stafford has with uh, Marvin Jones and Kelly, Kenny, Kenny Golladay, plus now he's got Hawkinson in there. I just think it's open season for the Lions week one. I think they pull off a, a W and I think Matt Stafford is, is good for a few touchdowns in that game, to say the least. Running backs. Uh, one I've put in here, Justice Hill. I couldn't believe when I saw this, he's only 17.9% owned on ESPN, which I just think is, is crazy. Uh, he's someone that, even though the matchup is you know, against Miami and he might not get a lot of relevance week one, he's just someone that's got to be on more rosters. He's just got to be because I'm not 100% old. Mark Ingram is going to be the long-term solution uh, there. And what we saw last year with the Ravens, they like to run the football and they ran it with multiple backs. I think Justice Hill, as weeks go on, will get more and more time in this offense. I think he's going to be a stable starter week on week. So grab him now while he's free because in a week or two, I don't think he's going to be. So I think grab him while you can, even if you're not going to play in week one, have him there. The next one's Frank Gore. Frank Gore, uh, as I mentioned, is going to start. Yes, it's going to be a tough game, but you'll get pretty safe production. So if you have Melvin Gordon or or Zeke Elliott in your team, for example, and they're going to play week one, you need to bring someone in just to tie you over. Then Frank Gore's not a bad play. He's not going to get you 20 points, but he might get you, he should get you close to 10, 12 um, and it's a pretty safe floor what you're going to get with him. He's a, he's a plodder. He's full of effort. Um, he's not going to lay your goose egg. He, he'll do just enough to make him worthy of a selection, but you're not going to get a shoot the light sort of score. So if you are trying to get a W week one, you're projected to finish ahead. Get someone like Frank Gorin who's going to deliver you a safe floor. Uh, wide receivers here. I put three um, only because there's one here. It's completely shocking. Uh, Marquise Brown uh, against Miami. He's 27.1% owned. Yes, I'm not a big fan of rookie wide receivers unless they've got exceptional talent, but he was uh, you know, the first wide receiver taken in this draft, and I think he's been bought in. Yes, he's missed camp with injury, but I think he's going to get a few open looks against Miami, and I think he's someone that can uh, potentially deliver a week one W for your team. So he's someone I'd be picking up and keeping an eye on. And next is uh, Ted Ginn. So he's 13.8% owned. And, you know, I'm, he's, he is the starter for New Orleans. I don't think that lasts long. Um, I'm, I don't think he's going to be keeping Tracon Smith out of that side for much longer. He's playing the, the Texans, who I think over, over the course of the week have got significantly worse on, on defense, which means I think they're going to have more time to throw the ball. They're going to have more time to... Uh, get plays and with Ted Ginn out there I think he delivers uh, a reasonable result for you week one and the last is is Albert Wilson I've been talking about this guy for so long Uh, 24.8% owned I'd grab him because now Kenny Stills has gone he he basically is all that shows me is he's the number one in that offense he's going to get the volume he's going to get the targets 
With Fitzpatrick starting, he might not necessarily get the biggest bump week one, but we know that when Rosen takes over this offense and we will know that he will at some point, whether it's week four, week five, week six, um, around their bye in week five, maybe he does get the start in week six, then I know that Rosen is going to use him a lot and he'll get a lot of targets, especially in a PPR league. Um, and Albert Wilson is the most productive uh, wide receiver in terms of uh, points per target in PPR. So he's someone that you should be targeting and, and having. Uh, tight ends, uh, I've got two here, Darren Waller and Noah Fant. They actually go up against each other. Uh, Waller is 17.8% owned, not sold on the Oakland defense. I think Waller is, uh, sorry, he's against the Denver defense. So I think it's someone, it might be a tough matchup, but I do think uh, Waller is going to be a, uh, a wide receiver one, a, a tight end one this year. So I think he's someone that has that upside and has the ability to uh, break into the top 12. And he's a pretty much a set and forget tight end, I think. So uh, he'll see volume in, in Don Gruden's offense. So he's someone I feel pretty confident in, in just sitting in your lineup and having until they're by and, and, and maybe afterwards. So he's worth a stash and then um, and playing in your lineup. The other one is Noah Fant. And I don't think that Oakland uh, defense is good. And yes, okay, he's a rookie tight end. This is his first game, but he only needs one touchdown pass to be relevant. We've talked about on the show how much we uh, Joe Flacco relies on tight ends, and especially in the red zone. So uh, I do fancy uh, Noah Fant to score a touchdown this weekend and therefore to return a reasonable uh, score in the tight end spot this week. Uh, kickers, you've got the choice of Matt Bryan uh, in the Dome against Minnesota. Um, 16.3% owned. He's someone that you can just pick up as a kicker and you can use him all season long. He's going to kick in 13 domes this year. He's a former pro bowler. Um, he's uncontested for the job. Uh, the only thing that's going to stop him is injury. So um, if you haven't owned him and you need a kicker for the season, he's the perfect one to just set and forget. Um, if you're looking for a bit of upside, Matt Gay, he won the job in Tampa. He's playing against the 49ers. He's 3.3% owned. He's got a leg. He kicked a couple of 53-yard, 52-yard field goals in preseason. We talked about this on Sunday. So one to, to add to your roster if you've got those um, kicker rules where you get five points for 50-yard plus field goals. DSTs, uh, two easy ones for me this week are the Cowboys versus the Giants. 26.6% owned um, are the Cowboys. They're someone that should be picked up for week one, especially if you're streaming a defense. I think they're, the Giants might get some points with Barkley, but I th- I think you can see Eli getting sacked a lot. Um, I think you can see a lot of uh, interceptions and fumbles, etc. I think the Cowboys are going to have a day. And uh, the Seahawks against uh, the Bengals, I think similar thing. They're 13.8% owned. So I think either of those are going to be a good week one start. Right, that will do it for today, Rush Nation. A bit longer than I uh, thought it would be. But I do think that it's been useful just to talk about these situations. And uh, hopefully you've got yourselves ready for week one. Uh, if you've got any more questions, feel free to follow up on the Twitter at Five Yard Rush. View our website, uh, fiveyardrush.co.uk. You'll be able to catch up with latest articles, rankings, etc. We're still going to update our rankings um, with some of the news that's happened over the weekend. So we'll get them ready for week one. They're not quite up yet. And uh, for you FFCC folks, the rosters are being loaded over the next day or two and there'll be an email coming out. So uh, done about 50. There's a couple hundred left to do. So try and get those done in the next few days. But uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, stay in touch. And uh, until later in the week, keep rushing.
HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm gonna do this to protect myself. Do it for them, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.